We're, we're in this little series called uh, Sweeter Than Honey and uh, Delighting in God's Word. And uh, that's what we've been wanting to do is to increase our passion for reading God's Word, for uh, listening to it, for thinking it through, for uh, listening for God's voice. We're in Psalm 119. I'd invite you to turn there with me. And uh, we're going to be looking at a few of those verses together. This week I was talking to Jack and Vicki Blau. They're a couple of our members here at church and they were recently on a mission trip uh, in Ecuador and they were staying at a hotel in Quito and uh, they had just finished dinner. They got back to their room uh, shortly uh, around 9 p.m. and uh, they're on the seventh floor and they had gotten into their room just getting working on getting settled in when a 6.3 earthquake jolted the city and uh, Jack said, well, the building started to shake. The building was 11 stories tall and uh, they were on the seventh and he said it swayed uh, so much is that the higher you went up in the building, the more it swayed, he said. And so uh, we uh, found each other. We got held hands and we got on the floor in the middle of our room and we didn't know if the whole building was going to collapse or not. He said, some people pay big money, you know, to ride roller coasters that don't move as much as we were moving up there in the air. And this went on for about two minutes. And when it finally subsided, he said, you know, we kind of collected our wits. And 10 minutes later, there was a second huge earthquake, almost as big as the first. I think the first was 6.3 and the second was 6.2. And uh, did it again. So seventh floor, huge earthquake, whole building swaying like a kite in the breeze. How do you protect yourself? Where do you go? I mean, what do you hang on to? What is there that's stable and, and secure? Now, fortunately for the Blaus, before they ever arrived at the hotel, it was built on a solid foundation, and it was built to, to standards designed to withstand an earthquake uh, greater than 6.3, and it passed the test. And it proved to be reliable and resilient when the earth was shaking. Let me ask you, could your faith in God pass the test in a 6.3 earthquake? When life really gives you a jolt, when it shakes you all around, is your is your faith, is your life on solid ground? And would you be able to hang on through the, those tough times? We've been looking at Psalm 119, uh, delighting in God's word, sweeter than honey, and God's word is our foundation. We put our trust in God based on what God tells us in his word. It's our authority for faith and practice. It's not just another good book. It's not just the all-time best bestseller. This is God's inspired word written down by people that he inspired to write it down, to give to us, to to tell us what God thinks, what God wants, what God wants us to know. And Psalm 119 is the longest uh, chapter in the Bible. It's actually the longest psalm in all the psalms as well. And uh, over and over it praises the reliability and resilience of God's word. Look how it begins. Verse 1, blessed are those whose way is blameless who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart. I mean, Psalm 119 lifts up over and over that God's word gives us guidance that's dependable and trustworthy and gives us so many benefits. If we read it, if we listen to it, if we memorize it, if we think about it, if we believe it, if we follow it with our lives, then we will be blessed. So I'm wanting to encourage you somehow, whether you're listening to it in, their, in your car or on your phone or reading it out loud with uh, people or taking a little passage and memorizing it, putting it on a card, putting it on your refrigerator or your mirror, do things that get you into God's word. Because the psalm writer says it's sweeter than honey. We've seen over the past few weeks that God's word brings us freedom. 
And then God's word brings us light. It, it shines the light of God into dark situations and gives us the, the wisdom to be able to read those situations and to know what we need to know about them. God's word brings us life that is truly life. In fact, it connects us to the creator, our redeemer, our savior, our best friend, Jesus. And today we're going to look at the same passage uh, under the topic, God's word brings us stability. Stability. We, it's our foundation stone. I mean, we, we, the problem we face is we live in a world of instability, a world of great upheaval and instability, and God's word brings us stability. That's good news. I don't need to convince you that the world is in turmoil and upheaval, and there's radical changes going on that you and I wouldn't choose. I mean, terror events have become almost a weekly occurrence, and nobody seems to have the answer to how do we find genuine peace. And politics, not as usual, has become politics as usual. And there's lots of talk, which I always thought talk was cheap, but it's not. I mean, look at our soaring national debt. And they just keep talking. And they're not all telling the truth either. In fact, have you seen that commercial where this couple is together for a first date and, and, she, and they just tell the bald truth? I mean, she says, this call is my rescue call in case I found you boring. And, and the man says, well, I still live with my mother. And, and then it says, wouldn't it be refreshing if people just told the truth? Well, God's word does. I mean, we live at a time where uh, the world is uncertain. The economy is uncertain. It seems to be doing okay, but how long can it last? And what if it's a house of cards? And uh, there's people looking lots of different directions for answers, for stability, for guidance. But many are looking to the world and to their own whims, and to what's popular with the people around them. And then there's plenty of people who are having their own personal crisis or tragedy. Lots of people up in the air right now. Here's the good news. Into all of that chaos and turmoil, God never changes. God never changes. He's stable. The Bible says Jesus Christ, who's God, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So what do you do when you're on shaky ground? You hang on to what is stable. And God's word provides us stability. Stability of mind. That right in the middle of the confusion and the conflicts, right in the noise of the way of the world is God. And God is giving us his word. So if you go to the middle, basically the middle book of the Bible, to this middle psalm, into the middle verse of it, which is really the, the, the center of the Bible, it's verse 89, and here's what it says. Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. Your faithfulness endures to all generations. You have established the earth and it stands fast. Why is God's word stable? Because it's from God? From time past and time into eternity? That the message of the gospel has been the same since before creation? That God established the earth and he he fixed his word firmly and he doesn't make a mistake and he doesn't change his mind and he's not swayed by popular opinion? In fact, the prophet Isaiah explained, speaking for God, he said, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. How is God's word sweeter than honey? In its stability, 
God's word provides us a realization of comfort. We can rest in God's arms, that we have comfort in who God is and in his righteousness, that his word is fixed in heaven and it doesn't move, it doesn't change. Look at verse 76. Let your steadfast love comfort me according to your promise to your servant. Verse 165. Great peace have they who love God's law. Nothing can make them stumble God has given us his word. He has a tremendous love for us. We can find rest and peace and restoration when we trust ourselves to God. God declares himself to us in his word. In fact, the writer of Hebrews explained that the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight. But all are naked and exposed to the eye of him to whom we must give an account. God is watching us. He's given us his word. He sees how much we believe in him and we, he can tell that by what we do, how we choose to live our lives. God's word gives us comfort. It also gives us an assurance of hope. Hope in what God will do. This is my verse 81. My soul longs for your salvation. I hope in your word. I mean, in your word... In God's word, God promises us salvation when we come to him in faith and we ask him to forgive our sin and to come into our lives. And we follow him in faith and obedience. We recognize that he is God and we bow before him. Have you done that? Have you begun that relationship with him that begins now and then can last forever? If not, do it today just quietly in prayer. I mean, there's a, there's a confidence, there's a relationship, there's a peace in that that can never be taken away by the world or by the enemy. It's secure because it depends on God and on God's word. And he offers it and he offers himself to us. See, in this world, we think we have a choice, but there's a conflict in it. The choice is to go God's way or to go man's way. I mean, where do you place your hope? Do you put it in the promises and philosophies of man? They will let you down. Or do you put it in the promises of God? You will wait and have to grow in patience, but you will be pleased for eternity. Where do you find your comfort? In your own resources, in your own bank account, in your own capabilities, your own reputation, your own power? Or do you find it in God's word? Where do you find stability? How do you get a firm footing? And when your life is swaying back and forth, all of a sudden rocked by some earthquake, what do you hang on to? Who do you listen to? I mean, the world looks to their own finances, to their own families, to themselves for stability. And there's a problem with that because the world we live in hates God. Jesus said to his friends, if the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. The way of the world is not compatible with the way of the Lord. And you have to choose. So does every person. And the people of this world have chosen to reject God and to reject God's law, and to go their own way. They scoff at God's word. They try to water it down or to change it, to make it say something different, and uh, to, to minimize its impact, because they think that somehow by ridiculing God or in God's word, they strengthen their own position, and they undercut the Christian beliefs to try to 
get you off of your foundation. Pastor Tandy and I, a few years ago, led a mission trip to Alaska, and we went to the Copper River Delta to a little town named Cordova, and they took us out sightseeing. They took us to see a huge glacier that comes right down to the Copper River. It's named the Child Glacier, named after General Childs from the Civil War. And uh, so this glacier, I don't know, is 1,000 feet wide and 300 feet high, and it's coming right down toward the river. It actually looks uh, uh, like aqua blue. And we're, uh, there's this huge, the river is not quite as wide as from here to the houses on the other side of the golf course, but it's this huge rushing river that's undercutting the, the glacier. And so pieces of the glacier are breaking off and falling into the river. And in fact, you can hear them. It's called calving. And there's pieces while we're eating our picnic that are calving. So you look around and say, oh my goodness. And then if you look up in the trees, you know, so you got the, the glacier and the river. And then we're on this nice, pretty green, grassy bank. And there's these trees. But there's some rocks up about 20, 30 feet in the trees. You go, how did those get there? Well, certain pieces that broke off of the glacier were so big that they sent a wave washing over. So Tandy and I had been discussing which of us could outrun the other. I'm sure I would win. And... But neither of us, if a huge wave had come during our picnic, neither one of us would have been able to outrun the tidal wave coming our direction that would have put fish and logs and rocks 30 feet up in the trees behind us. The glacier was being undercut by the current of the river over and over. It was such a big glacier, I said, you know, the the stuff that's falling in the river today, when did it land here as snow? They said 50 years ago. 50 years it had been part of the glacier and suddenly now it's being undercut and being compromised. And that's why we need to stay on God's firm foundation so that as the river of life flows by and will undercut and erode everything that it can, we need to be on the solid foundation of God's word that he has given us. And the psalm writer ran into the same problem we have, that he loved God and so he was hated by the world around him. And this comes through in his psalm. Look at verse 23. Even though princes sit plotting against me, your servant will meditate on your statutes. Your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. The insolent smear me with lies, but with my whole heart I keep your precepts. Verse 69. Verse 84. How long must your servant endure When will you judge those who persecute me? The insolent have dug pitfalls for me. They do not live according to your law. All your commandments are sure. They persecute me with falsehood. Help me. They have almost made an end to me, end of me on earth, but I have not forsaken your precepts. In your steadfast love, give me life that I may keep the testimonies of your mouth. The wicked lie in wait to destroy me, but I consider your testimonies. When you have people talking behind your back, persecuting you, making trouble for you, saying lies about you, what do you do? Well, you've heard it. I don't get mad. I I get even. Yeah, the problem is that's not from God. That's the way of the world. So how did the psalm writer deal with this grim reality? Verse 101, I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. He stayed within the boundaries that uh, the scripture placed on him as a man of God. He looked at God's word for encouragement and a source of strength and guidance and light. And those are all to be found here in God's word. Verse 110. The wicked have laid a snare for me, but I do not stray from your precepts. Your testimonies are my heritage forever, for they are the joy of my heart. See, it comes down to really a choice, doesn't it? To be friends with God... Or to be friends with the world. 
On one hand, you have what's current, what's in style, what's happening, what's popular, what brings the praise of the world, but ultimately comes to naught. And on the other hand, you have what pleases God and what brings the scorn of the world, but what has been established forever in heaven by God and ultimately will be vindicated that God is God and God's word is established in heaven and we can depend on God for the long term and on God's word because it's stable, it's true, it carries us through all the toughest times, all our deepest valleys, it's dependable all the way through and it's not understood by the world. We have a stability in our life when we build our life on God's word and on God's truth. So what are we building with this foundation? Well, Jesus talked about this in Matthew chapter 7. He said, everyone then who hears these words of mine, he's just finished preaching to this huge crowd. This is part of the Sermon on the Mount. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. And when the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, it did not fall because it was founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who's built his house on the sand. And when the rain fell and the floods came and the wind blew and beat against the house and it fell and great was the fall of it. The difference between the two houses was the foundation that they were built on. And Jesus is saying, I can give you stability and stability isn't necessarily the goal. Stability just keeps you in the one spot, grounded he says the difference is you can tell by what people do, what they believe. Not what they say, not what they hear, not what they think they should do, what they do. And when we do what Jesus said, when we read his word and then apply it in our lives, that's when we are building our house on his solid foundation. Now, stability isn't just the end goal. We actually, the Bible says we are the dwelling place of God on earth. In Ephesians 2, 19, it says, So then you're no longer strangers and aliens. You are fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God, built on the foundations of the apostles and the prophets, the ones who wrote the scriptures that God inspired. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, all, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. We are the dwelling place of God on earth. He, he lives in human hearts. It's not just in, in buildings. We're not building structures just to say, ooh, there, we've captured God. No, we're building them as tools to be places where people could share about Jesus Christ. But God's work is done in us. He's done among us. It's done through us to the world. And we are that holy house of God as the people of God who gather and worship him together. Paul was writing to a contentious church They'd gotten around to even comparing one of their pastors to another and picking favorites, which is a bad idea. There's no winners with that. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he's explaining to them some, some truths that have to do with what we're talking about. He says, for we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation. Someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire. 
And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. He's talking here to believers, people who have said, I have given my life and my heart to Jesus Christ. He is my foundation stone and I build my life on him. Now, what do I build with? And some build with precious gold, silver, precious stones that can survive the fire. And some are building with wood, hay, and straw. Well, as you look back at this week, was there anything that you'd say, this is what I did during my week that had eternal consequences? that made a difference for eternity, that invested in somebody's life, that touched somebody in such a way. I mean, think about it. Everything you can see, taste, touch, handle, sniff, isn't going with us. It's not eternal. So we need to be building into people's lives God's word, God's truth, sharing God with them and sharing Jesus Christ So that we're not just spending our whole life working on the temporal. We're working on things that are eternal, things that really matter. We know that we find stability in God's word because it comes from God and it's the truth and it never changes. And we choose to build on that foundation of God's word and God's son, our savior, and be built together into being a a dwelling place of God in this world and to do his work, work that will survive, that'll pass the test. That will have eternal consequences. The world doesn't understand that kind of stability or the togetherness. So it scoffs. But we know better because we know God through his word and through his son and through his spirit. Our lives are built on the solid foundation of Jesus Christ. And we have his forgiveness and his love and his peace and his spirit. So let me ask another question. How do we interact with those who have built their lives on the sand? You're around people like that. I am too. This week I was called and a woman said, I need to take the ashes for my 56-year-old daughter out to sea. Would you be able to help me? And so she had a boat all lined up and so I went out to help her. Well, she happens to have two granddaughters from the 56-year-old who never knew their fathers, two teenagers. Their mom had a Bible She'd even underlined in it some. They brought it with them. They'd picked out a verse or two for me to read. And so I asked them, where do you live? And they said, Lake Elsinore. And one said, I'm a waitress at IHOP. And the other is pretty good playing the trumpet in the school band. And I said, did you guys ever go to church with your mom? And they said, no. I said, did you ever read the Bible together? They said, no. Did you ever pray together? No. I looked at me like, why do you ask? Can you imagine having lost both your parents before you finished high school and not knowing Jesus? Not knowing that God loves you and that he has his eye on you. Not being able to pray or to cry out to God. Not having any friends who can offer you any hope for ever seeing your mother again. Or of anything for you beyond this life. What a tragedy. What a heartbreak. So where do you start to help somebody like that? Whose life is not built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Who they don't know God's word. You probably have some great ideas for me. I would love to hear them. Here's some I thought of that I'd like to share with you. How do you help somebody like that? Start with tenderness. Share good news. God's word is sweeter than honey. So remember, I mean, don't turn it into vinegar. 
Start at the beginning. Share what God has done for you. You see, at that moment, you you won't have time to get it out and say, I better bone up on this. I better read some things that I'm going to need to share. No, you need to have done that in advance. That's why I say, get into God's word. Get it into you. Memorize some of it. There wasn't time at that point. I said, where do you guys live? They said, Lake Elsinore. I said, I know a guy that works in Lake Elsinore. His name is Scott. And the one who's a waitress said, I know Scott. He comes into IHOP. Said he rented my mom an apartment. I said, well, you could know this. Scott is a kind man, and he would reach out. He can help you. I got back here to town. I called Scott, and I got together with Scott. I said, Scott, do you know these girls? He said, yes, I've been in that restaurant. I know that young woman. I know I rented to her mom. I can help. You and I have to be the... Jesus was skin on to these people around us, people who built their lives on the sand and suddenly the storms of life come along and just completely wipe them out. They need somebody to come along and bring them Jesus and help them get their lives on a solid foundation. Dr. Bernard Ram was a great theologian. I had the privilege of sitting under his uh, teaching and he when talking with young aspiring preachers would say something like the more food you have in the refrigerator the better meal you can put on the table the more food you have in the refrigerator the better meal you can put on the table and I want to encourage you to get the refrigerator of your heart filled with God's word so that the more food you have in the refrigerator the better meal you can put on the table those moments come when the earthquake hit in Kiko, Keto, Jack and Vicky didn't have time to get out their Bible and say oh we better find something of comfort something to hang on to you know when I was pitching around, uh, pitching around on the boat out at sea with the, uh, getting the ashes out to sea there's not an opportunity to search the scriptures you have to do it in advance to get God's word into your heart and into your thoughts and to memorize your favorite parts and to get your heart and your mind filled up with God God's word so that when it's needed you're able to feed the hungry person you're able to share something clearly the psalm writer of psalm 119 had done that he was filled with God's word he loved God's word I'd guess he had memorized a lot of it forever O Lord your word is firmly fixed in the heavens your faithfulness endures to all generations you've established earth and it stands fast by your appointment they stand this day for all things are your servants If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my afflictions. I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have given me life. I'm yours. Save me, for I have sought your precepts. The wicked lie in wait to destroy me, but I consider your testimonies. Shall we pray? God, the writer wrote this thousands of years ago, but he had the same challenge as we do. How to live in a world that's not thinking godly thoughts not making it easy how to face challenges in life to be filled with God's spirit and to listen to God's uh, word and to get it into his heart and into his life and to say yes you are my foundation I will build my life on your precepts on your law on your testimony on your commandments because you are God and your word is established in heaven and it will last forever And I can choose to live my life based on your word and to suffer now and then to be blessed forever. Or I can choose to live my life my own way and have a a foundation of sand and everything will collapse. So give us the courage today to build our lives on you, to be built into that spiritual house together called the church, to 
to reach this world with the good news, to lift up people who need an encouraging word, to be Jesus with skin on, to take the gospel to every dark corner of this world, even places like Turkey that need the love of Jesus so desperately. Thank you for coming alive in our lives. Thank you for giving us your word. Thank you for being our God and our Savior. Amen.